This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. Consider a career with the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers. As a Boilermaker apprentice, you'll earn while you learn. We offer excellent wages and benefits. And as part of our no-cost, hands-on apprenticeship program, you'll learn from the best in state-of-the-art training centers and on the job. Become a union Boilermaker and get on your way to a great career. Visit Boilermakers.org or call 844-IBB-WELD. Listen to the Labor and Energy Show and get educated from expert guests about climate change. What they say and who they are will surprise you. Presented by PBF Energy, Neuter Construction, and Furness Electrical Contractors. The Labor and Energy Show, this Sunday night at 6. And guess where this additional billion gallons of biofuel is going to come from? It's going to come from abroad. That's not an American first energy policy. We're in this together. Labor's in this. Building trades are in this. Refiners are in this. American consumers need us to do this too. Now across the Jacob Media Network, welcome to the Labor and Energy Show special. Exclusively presented by the PBF Energy Paulsboro Refinery and the PBF Delaware City Refinery in collaboration with the labor unions that build our communities. If you fix this RINs issue, you're looking at a reduction of 25 to 30 cents a gallon. This is the Labor and Energy Show, bringing labor leaders, national experts, and political influencers together to educate you about fancy terms like RINs and Reggie, while explaining the truth about energy independence. Welcome to the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. And welcome in, everyone, to another edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. We thank everybody, as we always do when we begin the program, for tuning in. We continue our mission, J. Doc, to uh, educate the public, the listening audience, uh, educate me uh, as we go through and we actually uh, have great weekly conversations with a lot of great guests. And big news, we made the announcement last week, J. Doc, I'll let you uh, steal the thumb and put it out there for, for, for some of our new listeners. Our expansion on the Labor and Energy Show here in year two is now moving west. And, and, and uh, interesting enough, Joe, um, it's our Energy Education and Awareness Initiative, which uh, takes our Labor and Energy Show, but also adds so many other components to it. And uh, it's about, like you said, educating the public, but also our political leaders, okay? And at the same time, you know, uh, impacting accountability, okay? Because not a lot of people people understand the issues. One that we're going to be talking about today, as an example, to educate the public and, and, and our political leaders, many who actually don't know understand the things that they're actually voting on or the impacts. Um, you, you, we're going to be talking about electric vehicles today. And, 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 the, and not just electric vehicles, but the mandates and the effects of the mandates that far exceed the automobile industry. So our Energy Education Awareness Initiative, which does include uh, you know, launching in KDK, on KDKA in Pittsburgh and in Ohio, is a huge part of that. But there's so much more to it. And uh, I can't wait to get it done. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, you talk about moving this show and expanding the show 
out to western Pennsylvania on what is arguably uh, the most powerful radio station in the country, certainly the very, very first radio station, the legendary KDKA. When we drop our programming starting in July on KDKA, um, as you said, Ohio, West Virginia, uh, the whole state from Pittsburgh down to the edge of Harrisburg. So we've got a big, big reach, and we just want to continue to stay on course and continue, of course, uh, to educate the public. And, 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 and you know what, J-Doc, as I go back to you, I think the public is starting to get it a little bit. I mean, because I am. You, you know, I'm starting to, we be, wanna... to educate myself by being just part of the program. Yeah, and, and listen, I think we're a trusted voice, and they got to hear, you know, uh, the narrative uh, from individuals who, you know, they can relate to. So having said that, um, I'm ecstatic to bring into the program Chet Thompson, president and CEO of American Fuel and Petrochemical Manufacturers. Chet, how are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks, J. Doc and Joe. Thanks for having me back. Well, it's, it's our pleasure. There's so much to talk about. Um, and I want, you know, like I said in the opening, uh, the topic is EV mandates and the effects of EV mandates that far exceed the automobile industry. Now, let me just make one thing clear to our listeners. Uh, I support, you know, you know, electric cars coming into the market. There, there's no, no one saying that, that, you know, that that that's a bad thing. Okay, um, and but my thought process, especially when we educate people after hearing this show, is let them come into the market naturally. Uh, we're we're creating mandates that have such. Uh, potentially devastating impacts, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, that, you know, it's just, it's unnecessary. And we're doing it, we're shooting ourselves in the foot, and people and our political leaders have to understand that. So having said that, Chet, a lot has happened since you last joined us on the broadcast. Um, there are several attempts to essentially ban good old-fashioned uh, gasoline and diesel vehicles, either mostly or completely. And I want to get into all these policies, which can be complex. Um, let's take them one at a time, though. The first big thing that comes to mind is the new proposal from the Environmental and Protection Agency that's going to determine what kinds of cars and trucks Americans are allowed to purchase in the years ahead. Can you kind of tell us, uh, well, not kind of, but can you tell us exactly uh, what the uh, EPA is proposing? Uh, yes, I can, J-Doc. And let me just start off by reiterating, well said about where you are on electric vehicles. Let me just say that AFPM is right there. As you know, our members both are represent the U.S. refining industry and also the petrochemical industry that makes you know, a lot of the plastics that feed into electric vehicles. So we are not anti-electric vehicles. We are anti-mandates. We are anti-public policies that are bad for consumers. So speaking of that, what you referred to uh, on the federal level is EPA has recently proposed what they call their GHG tailpipe rule, which sets standards for what can be emitted by the automobile and the medium heavy-duty trucks. And they have proposed a rule that essentially will ban new gas and diesel-powered cars and trucks in about nine years from now. The, the standards they are proposing actually take effect from 2027 to 2032, and it will be a ramp-up of standards. Now, if, you, if your listeners read the rule, they will never see the words ban but what, what EPA is doing, and they know exactly what they're doing, they are creating standards so stringent 
that the only way that the automakers can comply with these rules is basically to stop selling the internal combustion engine and to sell only electric vehicles. So this is part of a, of a, of a master plan at the federal level eventually to make it unlawful for new gas and diesel cars to be sold in this country. It's a, it is really unprecedented what, what they're doing. I've been in, in this business for a long time, and this is the most aggressive policy that I've ever seen. Yeah, it, it, It's amazing to me because it's almost like you're underwater. You have a specific amount of oxygen left, okay? And it's unclear how, you know, how long it's going to take you to get to the top, but you're cutting your oxygen off immediately. At your, you're, you're literally saying, okay, at this point, there will be no oxygen left, okay? And, and it's fairly obvious that it's, it's, it's you know, you're, you're a thousand feet down. You're not getting to the top, okay? And it's completely unnecessary. Yeah, I think, can you explain to our listeners a, 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 a little bit about, um, the, the consumer car and the commercial truck standards. So we have a, a, a clear picture on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, EPA's rule is broken down into, into three categories. One, what we call light duty rule, which is think your passenger cars, the, you know, the cars and SUVs that most of your listeners get to, to, to work and to school and to church with every day. And what EPA has done there, again, they've phased in these rules each year is more stringent than the year before. And it culminates in 2032 with a standard that on paper would require a 70% of all new cars and trucks be electric. Then there's the medium duty rule. Think, uh, you know, the U-Haul truck that, uh, you know, when you're moving and you want to do it yourself, you'd rent a, a truck like that. So medium size, that, that will re- require that 50% of all those cars would actually be required to be electric by 2032. And the last is the big, the big truck, you know, the 18 wheelers that are so critical to commerce in this country, that would require a 35% of all those new trucks be zero uh, tailpipe emission standards by 2032. That, that's, I mean, these are monumental moves. And what we've been telling folks, J-Doc is look, these rules are, bad for consumers. It's going to raise the price across the board for everybody. It's bad for our national security. But this will basically uh, trade the, the, the energy independence that we have the luxury of having today. And we're going to trade that to China that controls this market. So this is a really bad public policy for everybody. Yeah. Chad, let me just ask just for clarity for the listening audience. If I'm listening to this show right now, I'm saying to myself, wait a minute, did he just say in eight years yeah. I have to have an elect I have to have an electric vehicle? No, you just can't you I mean not it, you can't buy one. You can't you can't buy a, a, the, the internal combustion engine. You can't buy another type of car. Got it. Got yeah, it. I, and and, and right. so but that, that means uh, one of your one of your listeners, you know, living around the great, you know, city of Harrisburg, when they want to go buy a new car in 2032, uh, a new truck, they all have to, they won't be able to buy one that take, that runs on gasoline or diesel. They're going to have to buy one that has, that is range, range limited, that is between 12 and $15,000 more expensive. Means if you don't, you're going to have to install your own infrastructure at your house, or you're going to have to rely on spotty infrastructure. There are so many problems with this rule. 
And you're right. Very few people know this is happening. And so we appreciate and the great work you guys are doing to make sure people at least understand what policymakers in Washington, D.C. and this administration are doing uh, to this very important sector, which has been the backbone, of, you know, of our country for for 100 years. Well, you know, it's interesting about that, Chet. And, and, and one of the things we're trying to do, I mean, obviously educate people, the everyday people on this stuff, because, you know, they, you're just thinking, OK, listen, we all care about the environment. No. In fact, you know what's interesting about this? I have not since we started this, this show, I have not had there's not been one energy industry executive that hasn't cared or is not just as passionate about the, our environment, uh, emissions, and all those things as any uh, environmentalist on the planet. And most of our leaders, like yourself, uh, are at the forefront of that. Okay. Having said that, let me. When we talk about meat and potatoes, people, I got a good buddy of mine, and he sells cars for a living. And by the way, he's the number one salesman at his, it's a national brand, I won't mention it on air, but, um, and he'll have conversations with me. And we're not talking, we're just talking, he always calls me and tells me how his day is going. And he it, it inadvertently tells me, okay, because he'll talk about uh, people calling about, you know, they want an electric vehicle. The salesman at a large portion, it has to, when I, they don't understand, they are not educated on electric vehicles. They're so rare, especially when you're talking about, you know, not, you know, not high luxury models. A lot of the electric vehicles are, you got the Teslas and all those things and they're luxury models, but you know, regular automobiles, okay. They don't even understand EVs at this point that are, like, if you have a Nissan that is an EV, at the sales level, they don't even understand them yet. So, when you talk about eight years, it's actually hard to believe. So, if, you're, if your girlfriend, or, I'm sorry, if your wife had a baby, by the time that baby's in, eighth, in, in second grade, no one in the United States is 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 uh, going to be able to purchase uh, a, a, a gas-driven car. I mean, is that kind of is that? Would you call that a true statement, Chet? Yes, it, it certainly is a true statement. And and you know, again, our our, our infrastructure is not there for it. It's going to require folks to spend a lot more money. And you know, there's another thing that's wrong with these with these rules, and it it, it assumes. You know, the way EPA does these rules, they just look at the tailpipe emissions. And they say, well, an electric vehicle uh, has no tailpipe, therefore it's, by definition, cleaner. And, you know, a, a problem with that, of course, is that it, you know, what we should be doing in this country is doing a life cycle analysis across the board. We support cleaner cars, and in fact, cars are 90% more efficient and cleaner today. Gasoline is cleaner today. We are making more renewable uh, fuels today. So we, uh, we support JDOC getting cleaner and more efficient. We absolutely support that. But what we support is doing it transparently and fairly and honestly. And when you take a, a look at electric vehicle, they ignore the environmental implications of making the battery, mining the critical mineral, uh, you know, all of the infrastructure. An electric vehicle is not any cleaner than an internal combustion engine if it's plugged in to a coal-fired power plant, for example. All you're doing is pushing emissions somewhere else. So what we're trying to do is get people to do an honest assessment. Let's put all the cards on the table. Let's make sure your listeners know what's at stake. 
and let the market decide the best way to keep pushing efficiency and cleaner trucks and cars forward. And we, we would support that 100%. And what's interesting about it is, um, as, as a leader in, the, in our traditional energy industry, has anybody reached out to you to, to kind, of, kind of collaborate on these issues? Um, one of the things our labor leaders have talked about, and it, many times we've had this conversation, but when they were shutting down the PES refinery in, in South Philadelphia years ago, which is when Krause and I really got involved in this, because there's a lot of labor unions that work in the energy sector, one of the points of, of conversation was when did we stop working together? Okay. When did, I mean, this, this is a complicated, obviously, situation. You would think uh, that the administration would reach out to leaders like yourself, who represent, you know, so many companies, um, you know, to, to, to kind of be a part of the solution. Does that happen or no? Well, I, I would say this. There, there are certainly a number of other groups that share our concerns, and, and the building trades that have been around our sector have been, have been fantastic. Uh, they, they realize the importance of, of you know, the refining industry and petrochemical industry to literally hundreds of communities across the country, J-Doc, yeah. and 3 million jobs directly or indirectly related. So we, you know, we've been, we have a great working relationship with the building trades. We are now starting to get other groups from the agriculture to the renewable fuel industry, the ethanol industry. Some groups that have been traditionally adversaries are starting to realize that these policies are bad for all of our constituencies. And, and more importantly, it's really bad for the country. And I'm seeing more and more folks coming together to realize that we have to raise our voices. We have to make sure that consumers understand what's at stake. And we're finding that so many times that just people just don't know what's happening here, what's happening in California, what's happening in other parts of the country that, like you say, for those who are, who are fortunate enough to have a newborn child today in eight years, so this is going to be too late. There's going to be so many consequences, and it's going to make things worse, frankly. And, and it, it, you're right about that. When we talk, Obviously, our Labor and Energy Board is comprised of energy leaders and, and labor leaders. The, the interesting part about this, this uh, electric vehicle mandate situation um, is just one of the issues. Well, you know, we have so many here in Pennsylvania, uh, regional greenhouse gas initiatives. So many, uh, they're 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 taking a they're 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 taking a broad stroke and trying to wipe everybody out. So now, inevitably, you're going to hit a lot of uh, a lot of groups whose livelihoods are in the way. Or now they're starting to get educated on these issues. Uh, before we go to break. Okay, so we've uh, talked about this on, 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 on this show, how a quirk in the federal law has given California the idea that it can try and ban all gasoline and diesel-powered cars by 2035 if the administration grants them some sort of waiver. Can you, can you explain to our listeners again what, this, what gives California the belief that they can do this and go down this path? Sure. You know, way back in the, the late 60s and early 70s, when originally when the first federal clean air act was enacted j doc they, they carved out some space for one state and one state only california and what they said there is that california <clears throat> given your you know your local air pollution problems and your in your unique topography being sandwiched in between the pacific and the sierras that we're going to give you the ability when you can show that you have really compelling or extraordinary conditions that warrant your own standards, 
And really, that was for local pollution, you know, smog. Think, think uh, L.A. Basin and smog. And they gave that very limited authority to California. And now California is trying to transform what was a local air pollution ability into regulating greenhouse gas standards. It's, you know, it's an important issue to be sure, but California cannot show that it has compelling and extraordinary conditions any different than any one other state in the country. Right. So we believe that California, frankly, does not have the authority. But let me just tell, you, tell your listeners what California is doing. They have proposed to ban vehicles outright, uh, gas and diesel vehicles, by 2035. Right. So in the state of California, comes 2035. And importantly, starting in just a couple of years, more than uh, 70% or right around, right around 70% of vehicles has to be electric. So they're ramping up fast, and they're going to be an outright ban uh, and, you know, in a little more than a decade. And other states have joined forces with California, which now comprises 40% of the new car market. So this is a, this is a problem. And again, even in California, J-Doc, very few Californians know that any of this is happening. Good conversation going on with Chet Thompson and Jay Doc. We uh, here on the Labor and Energy Show. If you're listening and tuning in today to the Labor and Energy Show, perhaps you have a uh, a, a um, look on your face like I have on mine, Jay Doc. Like like what? Yeah. There, there's no absolutely no way I am ready uh, for an electric vehicle to come into my life. So and, and again, that doesn't mean that doesn't make it wrong for it to be ready for someone else, but to mandate everyone seems almost impossible well, so you, you know, to Joe, expect. And, 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 Chet, one of the, and unfair to the consumer. And, and Absolutely. But in a sense, what's amazing when you talk, our campaign, our national campaign is common sense and energy. And uh, you know, we try not to get into the rhetoric of, 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 of throwing insults back and forth, okay? We're trying to speak the, the language of the people, okay? Because sometimes people listen to, and they think there's a political agenda. There's this, uh, Joe Krauss, you and I have talked about this, but this is not a union issue. This, is, this shouldn't be a political issue. It's a human issue. And in a sense, when, you, when you're mandating situations like this, and we're going to get into what we did, Sid Harth Kyra on the program. After we come back from break, we're going to talk about a lot of the things in Chet. Uh, uh, alluded to them when it comes to the mining, but in a sense, it's almost like the blind are leading the blind here. Because who would do? Who would shoot themselves in a foot, paint themselves in a corner, and do things like this? Leave us zero options, and then have to depend on China, okay, for our resources. The Labor and Energy Show with Jadoc and Krause. Back in a moment. This is a Labor and Energy Action Alert. Did you know the Pennsylvania Water Resource Act, if passed, will charge Pennsylvania businesses for water usage integral to the operation of the businesses, many of which that provide PA residents with vital services? The expenses of charging for such water usage will be astronomical and may jeopardize the operations of the businesses themselves as well as jobs. Take action now. Subscribe to www.gov.net to track this legislation and call your PA state representatives and voice your opinion to oppose the Pennsylvania Water Resource Act. Quality PA businesses and good paying jobs depend on it. What's a boiler maker? We're the skilled welders, riggers, and craftspeople who will help you grow your competitive edge. We step up when others step back. 
we do the job right, on time, on budget, and safely. No drama, just results every time. We're the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers, and everything we do begins with our bond. Let's get to work together. Visit bestintrade.com. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today. Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit EASCarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are being supported by the members of the labor union community, including Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, Business Manager, the Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters, and the United Steelworkers. And back here on the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. Don't forget if you miss any of today's show or perhaps you want to re-listen to today's show of the or today's edition of the Labor and Energy Show, go to Apple or Spotify. Simply search the Labor and Energy Show. Drop it in your phone, download the podcast, uh, and listen to it on your next stroll. J. Doc, you're going to learn a lot from the, from from the conversation. Absolutely. And if there was ever a common sense and energy conversation, this is it right yes, here. We're ecstatic to have Chet Thompson, president and CEO of the American Fuel and Petrochemical Manufacturers. AFPM on the broadcast. Uh, Chet is not a, a stranger to the broadcast. We're ecstatic to have him back on the program. Uh, we're talking about uh, EV mandates and a lot of the impacts that they're having across the board. I want to, uh, just in case people think that they were, you know, in the twilight zone when, they, when you listen to this. Um, one of, one of the things that uh, you know when we when we talk as we discuss, you know, if California gets its waiver. Okay, and the law says other states can opt in and uh, to try to ban gas and, and diesel power vehicles. Uh, we talked about how Delaware and how New Jersey are following this path. Can you explain, Chet, uh, what uh, uh, allows states to follow California rules if the administration grants them the waiver? Yeah, so in that same work in the law we talked about before, it you know with allowing California to set its own standards. California at that point has to seek a waiver from EPA. And if that waiver is granted, so if EPA determines that California has demonstrated compelling and extraordinary conditions and grants California the, the, you know, the green light to move, other states now have the option to do one of two things. 
They can either continue to follow the national standards or they can opt in to the California standards. Okay. And as of right now, 17 states follow at least some aspects of the California policy. 17 other states. Now, for them to do it, they have to adopt California's standards identically. So they have to hook, line, and sinker, take what Calif- what's good, what those in Sacramento think are good for Californians, and they got to, you know, apply that exact same standard, whether it be New Jersey or Pennsylvania or, you know, Minnesota. And so 17 states representing more than 40% of the new car market has uh, decided to follow California. And it's almost, when I listen then, when you actually think about it, 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 it it's scary uh, because you know, who, does this, who does this benefit? I get, you know, we're concerned about the emissions. We have the, the greatest um, technology on the, uh, and, and, and professionals on the planet. Okay, we, you know, we, um, you know, if we all had an opportunity to understand what, what's going on, um, we could part of the, be a part of the solution, not create, create a bigger a bigger problem. I mean, who does this benefit the most in a uh, economical and, and, and in a business uh, manner, Chet? Well, it seems to me it, it benefits China more than anyone at uh, the moment. Absolutely, China stands. China stands to, to you know continue to dominate the car, the battery, the electric vehicle battery production, and the, and the minerals. Uh, so you know certainly that would jumps out at me right now because I don't know who else, frankly, you know domestically would benefit. It, it doesn't benefit you know your listeners. I mean, certainly if your listeners want to buy EVs and there are lots of great EVs out there, have at it. I mean, they, they should, but those that their lives aren't ready for an EV because they can't afford the $15,000, you know, higher price tag, or if they don't have the infrastructure or they have to commute a couple hours each way to get to work and home, this isn't good for them. This isn't good for them at all. So, but I can tell you, like I say, uh, China this is going to benefit them a great deal because they will own this market for the foreseeable future. Why would the Why would the decision makers <laughs> in the state state of Delaware? Right. Why would the decision makers in the state of Delaware want to check the box and sign up to be absorbed and follow a California mandate? Assuming for a moment that it comes in, why would they want to do that? Well, I, what's I, the answer? I, well, I, yeah, I assume that the waiver is, uh, it, it, and, when, and when you when you look at it, it seems to me like we're we're all uh, you know just uh, laying the, the fact that California is the ultimate authority. Their situations represent everybody else, and 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 they're, so make, they're, they're making it real easy so for people just to elected, check the box. These are elected officials put in office by the voting public. Yeah. Why would they want to do that? I, yeah. I just don't. And, get and, it. and and chat. Let me add, and and that, you know we like to. Yeah, obvious. Because I guess they don't understand, Joe. Um, why would here's a here's a I got to ask this question. Um, uh, common sense. Why in the world would we want to put our you know our, our energy independence in, in in the hands of of China? Now I'm asking that question as a regular dude walking down the street, okay? Because I don't think people really understand that we're giving up all of our uh, opportunities to control our own energy and we're giving it to China. It's not like we're giving it to England. I don't, we sh- obviously shouldn't be giving it to anybody. But it, 
why in the in, in the world would somebody do that? You know, J-Doc, it's a question I ask my, myself all the time. I do believe a lot of policymakers have the best intentions in mind because I, I can't imagine what else would be driving them, frankly. Uh, so I can chalk this up to people not really doing their homework, not really understanding the issue. And then here's something else I hear a lot of, J-Doc and and Joe, I hear some policymakers say, well, look, don't worry. We can go down this path. If it proves that this is really problematic, we can back off later. Yeah. Well, that's not the way it works, right? It's just not the way it works. And there's going to be a lot of damage done to our energy security along the way, to consumers along the way, you know, to the investments that we're making from a manufacturing standpoint. That it's not that easy just to go down the road and back off later. So I am, I'm just surprised. I'm with you. If I were an electric vehicle in, a, in, a, in another state, I'd do my homework to say, you know, do we have the infrastructure? Is our grid uh, reliable? Uh, do, you know, do we have the weather conditions here that would uh, be consistent with this level of EVs? And, you know, there's so many states on the list that are following California for which there is no way the answers to those questions should be, yes, we're, we're suited right. to follow California. Who, incidentally, they're not even suited for this themselves. They're going to have to double their electric capacity, uh, you know, in the next decade to meet their own uh, higher demand for electricity for electric vehicles, let alone the rest of the country. So, you know, I, at times I just throw my arms up to say, you know, I don't know what, Folks here. Well, well, it's interesting because, in a sense, um, what we're saying is that if, if other states uh, adopt this uh, twenty thirty five ban, they'll literally be letting California write the policy for their states. Is that an exaggeration? No, it's not an exaggeration to the point, like I said, that in order for a state to do it, they have to be identical to California. So, if a state like Colorado or Minnesota, or New York, or Pennsylvania that has a different, you know, climate, they want to make some tweaks. Technically, they can't make the tweak right. uh, to do it. But still, they, you know, they, they put their head down. I think this has become such a political issue for some right. that you've got to be all in or electric vehicles or else you don't pass some litmus test. We need folks to realize that we ought to be looking at, at this from an American perspective, what's in the best interest of, of consumers and our country. And even if you want to make the transition, right? and we ought to do it in a time horizon that makes sense. Absolutely. That, that shouldn't be too much to ask from our policy. And the fact is, every state's different. So, uh, in other words, That's you're right. opting into a situation where you may not be, your state may not be as prepared as another state. And there's nothing you can do about it. I, I, am I right in, in, in saying that the, uh, the, the buck stops here in regards uh, you know, to the waiver with the president, and California can't do this unless the president says yes? Absolutely. I mean, if, if EPA, and hence the president, who is to tell EPA what to do, unless they grant the waiver, California can't move forward. And if California can't move forward, nor can any of the other states, that have opted into California. Remind, so reminds me. Absolutely. And I don't, and this is, you know, I don't want to get into it. Uh, it, it, it I was going to say, uh, and, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just stating this, but forgive them, God, they know not what they do. Uh, having, is there a number 
that a, a consumer can grab onto that would say, if this occurs, this is going to have blank financial implication on my life. 50 grand, 100 grand. Is, well, is, is that num- does that number even exist? I don't even know. I'm just asking. What, what, what are you talking about? A number? An, a, an economic number of impact to me as a resident, to me as an, an individual, in order to convert to a mandate, assuming that that mandate was put well, in place. What does that, it cost me? By the way, it's a, I don't, obviously, I don't have that answer, but it's an interesting point, and I wanna, it takes us kind of right into the next, uh, next segment. Um, or the next uh, topic, um, and that is the impact of even proposing these standards could ha- that, that, that could have on America's fuel supply, our refining jobs, as well as our auto industry jobs, okay? Just making this proposal, you know, is, is game-changing in regards to investing in, in our traditional energy resources. Chad, what, what, what is your, I mean, right now, automaker and manufacturers are losing money on every sale of an EV, okay? Um, there's so many, the trickle-down effect here to just making these proposals is, 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 is devastating. Talk about that. Well, you're, well, you're right. It, it, for a lot of electric vehicle manufacturers right now, it's a a losing proposition from the standpoint of just the EVs, and you could just look to what Ford said a, a few weeks ago. So, you know, that's just a fact. Now, the other thing, and it relates back to your question, Joe, I mean, so the way the automakers are having to deal with this is they're going to subsidize some of that loss by raising prices of all their vehicles, including the internal combustion engine. So when you're going to have cars today, no doubt, are more expensive because of this, meaning the gas and diesel power cars that most consumers are buying today are certainly higher. The the other fact is, is that the electric vehicles do indeed cost more than their counterpart, somewhere in the range right now of twelve to $15,000 more. And here's another interesting, you know, factoid. Back in 2017, so just a couple of years ago, there were 36 models of gas and diesel-powered cars and trucks on the road that you could buy for $25,000 or less. 36 models. Mm-hmm. Seven, you know, just a, last year there was only 10 models. 10 models that you could go out. And so what you're going to have is you're going to start to price people out of the new car market, which means they're going to have to push more people in the used car market. You're going to have people driving their cars longer. Yeah. You're going to have people that are going to be deprived of, of more efficient cars, safer cars, etc. This thing has a domino effect that it's really going to have a big impact on, on lots of folks. Unless you can afford a $100,000 Tesla, you know, you're going to have to drive these other cars much longer. Uh, yeah, and listen, and, there was, and this is the same but different. There was just a story that I think it was Tesla and maybe Ford. They wanted to ban AM radio in oh, the yeah. production of all new cars, right? right? Well, it took less than a week for a bipartisan group of decision makers and lawmakers to come together to engage in dialogue yeah. to to put forth to keep AM radio in vehicles because it was best for the public. Yeah. Why can't the but, same approach be taken for this? First 
of all, they're taking away our voice. That AM radio, by the way. By the way, it's not going. AM no, radio is going to stay. I know. But my point is, that's where the talk radio is. That's where people's opinions. Okay. So they want to take our voice away. And so, and, and like you said, Joe, by the way, I got those letters from the stations also, you know, about, you know, and everybody united and immediately replied. So I agree with you. We should be doing that uh, in all of our uh, situations. Um, I just read a story in the Wall Street Journal in, in which a former BMW board member said China literally controls the entire EV supply chain. Jet, uh, true or false? And, and, and why again are we? Uh, and I, I just want to. Why are we putting all of our eggs in this basket? <laughs> we, we, have, we have time to make, you know, to, to obviously stop this train. Okay, why are we putting all of our eggs in this basket regardless? And I just, you know, I respect what you, what you said, but I can't imagine that these politicians or somebody, at, you know, at, at, at the top of this thing doesn't know exactly what the hell they're doing. Well, all I can say, J-Doc, again, this is a head scratcher. Sure. Right? At a time when it, you, you can't turn on the TV without talking heads, acknowledging that we're in a, competition, to use a mild word, with China, when we have weather balloons coming across right. uh, with, quotes weather balloons across our country, when we're having open conflict, here's what's undeniable. China controls 80% of the world's battery production right now, 80%, and the majority of the productions of the critical minerals needed for electric vehicle batteries. These are facts. Yeah. All right. And I saw a recent analysis that said that even with the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, even with the bipartisan infrastructure, all the money we're throwing at this, right, that even if we have massive growth in this country, but even in the year 2030, China will have twice, two times the production capacity of the rest of the world combined. Yeah. Let that sink in for a minute. The rest of the world combined. Yeah. And so why we would trade what we have today, which is, you know, at least energy, North American energy independent. Yeah. We have enough refining capacity to meet our needs. We are blessed with these resources. Why we would trade that over to let China dominate. Uh, again, I, I don't even I can't even fathom how someone would explain that. To yeah, and, and we're and, hoping and, that, we, that more policymakers will be forced to try to explain that. If we went dark tomorrow in the United States, we're 13 uh, percent of the world's uh, emissions uh, footprint. Okay, if we went, if we just decided to shut ourselves down at all, like move in, you know, uh, into a hole. We still couldn't impact what's going on. Do they not the, the, in China where they're building refineries and they're doing and they're doing, uh, you know, things that we're shutting ourselves down? Uh, you would also you, you you would think that in Russia and in China it doesn't affect the environment and 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 common sense would would just tell you it's ridiculous. I want to we're going to spit fire here because we don't have much time left. Chet, we you know we had Sidharth Kara on the show before talking about the ch child uh, and slave labor situation in the Congo. Um, you know, that happens to get the cobalt for these EV manor, uh, batteries, okay? He actually, and I'm sure you saw it, I mean, he, he actually videoed it, risked his life to do it. He was on Joe Rogan, and, and he showed that video. Um, 
do you highlight these issues in your communications to the public and the policymakers? And what is their reaction? How come more politicians aren't up in arms about these situations? Well, that's a great question. And Jed, I've literally met with dozens of policymakers over the last few weeks about this topic. And, you know, the reaction I get usually is you could read it in their eyes is not fully briefed up to be honest with you. But we do make these points. We certainly make the point that this has huge national security implications that, you know, that we would be handing over our energy security to China and that what we need is a full life cycle analysis because that's the only thing that will bring these issues, you know, to the forefront. Sure. Let's look about what the impacts are for mining, battery production, use, and then disposal. Now, again, look, I'm going to be one thing clear to your listeners. We support the continued drive to make things better, more efficient, more environmentally friendly. This is not an either-or. Right. We ought to be setting standards, allowing everyone to compete for it, make, you know, but we need to recognize the balance between our energy security, environmental security, and what our you know, people, what our Americans need for a good life. That's what we should be doing. Absolutely. It's the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. We thank everybody for tuning in and being a part of today's uh, broadcast. Chet Thompson joining us. We're going to take a short break. Uh, when we come back on the other side, we'll get finishing remarks, J. Doc, with you and Chet. We'll have about four minutes on the other side of the break. This is the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. Back in a moment. PBF Energy wants you to know hidden rent costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today. Neuter Integrated Multicraft Contractors has been a force since 1896. That's right, 18 and specializes in welding, piping, mechanical, structural, constructability reviews, project management, and rigging design services. For a free consultation, call Neuter at 314-421-7600. Neuter proudly serves petroleum refining, chemical processing, power generation, and alternative energy. Get in touch with Neuter at 314-421-7600. The Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit EASCarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative. I'm back here on the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. J-Doc, let me come right to you. I don't want to waste any time. Got a lot to cover. Yeah. Four minutes, 25 seconds. Yeah, so we talked about, um, you, you know, before we went to break with Chet Thompson, you know, the, the conversation we have with uh, Siddharth Kara. Okay, and the, the cobalt mines and, and the critical minerals. Uh, we've had many people on the broadcast talking about uh, the fact that 
uh, the destruction of the environment from mining the critical minerals, uh, if, we, if, if we even had enough to, ma to make these mandates happen, uh, would be devastating. Okay, there are so many trickle-down effects to all this stuff, it's like mind-boggling. Uh, but having, having said that, you talk about the slave labor. And I asked Sidharth, I said, um, how do, you know, in America, we control our, you know, I mean, our ability to who we want to do trade with. How can we allow our, um, you know, our, our country to do business with these uh, countries uh, that and these companies that are that are that are, you know, uh, employing these slave labor situations? And he said, "Well, they have a middleman. That's how they do it. We never actually buy." We never actually buy the the, the products from the uh, you know for the, from the companies that are that are employing, if you want to call it, um, these the you know the slave labor and the, and the child labor. Uh, is that ever going to how we how do we address that yet? Well, I think sunlight, daylight, conversations that 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 you uh, and Joe are having today by continuing to make sure. This becomes an issue in elections and, and national discussions around it. Most people have no idea right. that this is happening. They just simply have no idea. And we know this. We, you know, we talk to people all across the country. We ask them questions. And, again, people just don't know. And so the only way we're going to address it is to continue to talk about it and insist that policymakers uh, not be able to hide behind ignorance and, and have to address it head on. And 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 we're going to close up with this one because and I got to I want to hit it really fast. Um, you know, the fact that you know more than half of, of an electric vehicle is made up of petrochemicals uh, that need to be made at, at our traditional refineries. Uh, if these policies that we're discussing lead to uh, uh, you know premature refinery closures in the U.S., won't all the petrochemicals even needed to uh, you know, for, to make EVs? And likely, uh, the EV manufacturer itself also, uh, you know, go over to China, and 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 uh, is that really in America's best interest? Um, and certainly, it'll have major labor implications and environmental implications. Agreed. And to one of your earlier questions about, you know, the impact of this, the impact within my space can be, you know. Uh, refiners, you know, we're in it for the long, you know, view, the long cycle, but we have to make decisions now so you could see shrinking of the U.S. refining capacity, bad news. You're going to see shrinking of a, the petrochemical side. And like you say, you know, petrochemicals are critical for electric vehicles, but they're also critical for solar panels, wind turbines, carbon capture, water treatment. Right. And then last but not least, the, the, the job market. You know, for, for unions, building trade, you know, there are 3 million folks employed in our industry. All of those jobs could be in jeopardy if we go forward the way we're going today. Absolutely. Not to, not to mention the clothes we're, that are, we're wearing on our backs right now. And when you hear the word mandate, yeah. run the other way. Oh, oh yeah. It's ridiculous. How about that? Jed Thompson, president and CEO of American Fuel and Petrochemicals Manufacturers, uh, AFPM. Chet, uh, thanks so much for joining us for the hour. Um, an enlightening conversation, uh, conversation that is common sense uh, in educating our public and our political leaders. We appreciate your time, and, and, and uh, we can't wait to have you back on. Thank you, gentlemen. Great job. Great show. Thank you. All right. Good stuff. That's Chet Thompson joining us along with J. Doc M. Joe Krause. We thank everybody for tuning in and being a part of the Labor and Energy Show. See you next time, everybody.
Thanks for listening to tonight's labor and energy special. You can help. Call your congressperson and join the movement to push back on RINs. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded.